and welcome to episode 359 of the Awesome Comics Podcast, the place where the small press makes one hell of a big noise. I'm Vince Hunt, and joining me as always is the creator of the webcomic Vanguard, Dan Butcher. Hello. And he once shared a bag of cheese and onion crisps with the popular 80s singer Yaz, it's Tony Esmond. Tony weighs up, baby. You know it. <laughs> <laughs> and we didn't even rehearse that. Yeah. No, nope. If you don't know that song, are. check yourselves. Um, actually, I had a I'd... funny thing for her. I was quite liked her. She looked quite tall, though, didn't she? Quite lanky. Yeah, I think like she that. was quite tall. I think mm. she was about six, six mm. foot, wasn't she? Googling. You, you don't remember Yaz and the only way. Not up. really. It was, number, it, was, it was number. It's number one on the popular. Don't, because you know Vince is going to sing it. Don't. I know the song. Anyway, you and me now. Anyway, welcome to the show, everyone. Welcome. Big one this week again. Yeah, uh, and. The next uh, hour and a half is just going to be full of full of comics, fun, and information. As we are joined by the one and only legend that is Des Skin. Um, this is a, this is one of my favourite moments on the podcast. This interview, genuinely, yeah, I was a big fanboy on it. I got, I think, yeah. I think I overdid that. But he's oh he's yeah, such yeah, great... yeah, yeah, you'll you'll all witness that. You can me and Vince yeah, yeah. didn't really need to pitch in because Des was just. Gold, gold, gold. Here's yeah. an anecdote. Here's yeah. an anecdote. Yeah, I honestly hell. think that Des thought that I wasn't listening. <laughs> yeah, because because I... he went. He went. Vince has woken up. Like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I do. I do say nice or something. Wow. And then he goes, "Oh, you, you know the artwork." So no, just the, the fact that you got, <laughs> you got gifted something, and he thought I'm going to run it on the cover. Yeah. He did test me, but I came through at the third go. Yeah. He was gold, but, yeah. Almost, he, he was testing almost. me. But almost failed that one but um we were all <laughs> enraptured and yeah. it's a, it's it's a real good time um so <laughs> we're not going to mess about too much with the waffling this week although expect the usual comics nonsense as always i'm trying not to look at my screen at the moment normally we don't why are we, we doing this why have we got our cameras on i don't okay, know why I'll, we have our cameras on we I'll do this on zoom then. Right, well, Dan was the one that was like i'm going to leave my he camera he said i'm going to leave mine on whatever i don't care what you do yeah, yeah, i'm yeah. telling my yeah, yeah. there you go um but I can't. Oh, he's put his camera back on. There it is. Um, is you're getting the behind the scenes stuff. Behind the curtain. But the problem is when it's just the three of us, we can't have the cameras on, can we? Because we'll just no. end up. We'll just Fuck put around. each other off. We're just we did like for a, the interview, though, didn't we? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We always do for the interviews because we're sort of dare I say, a professional in some kind what? of way. Although we're not professional, we don't get paid for this. <laughs> um, but it is a cracking interview, so you'd think we're a professional. But you know what else is cracking? Is absolutely champion, some would say. Uh, it's our lovely sponsor, Comic House. Yes. yes. The yes. indie comic marketplace that loves indie comics as much as we do. And if you're listening to this show, you probably do as well. So Comic House is the place to go. If you go to the website, there's a huge selection of titles on the database. Um, people who self-publish can list their book on there it's another avenue to get your work out there they also have an app which is a brilliant place for your digital indie comics so if you've got any digital files and you want to get out to a whole new audience comic house is a great place to do it Um, they've got a featured section on the site and on the app which is being added to all the time Uh, dan what's on there at the moment well considering the uh the the queen's uh golden jubilee is just around the corner uh, Wednesday yeah. the 6th of February. What kind of, uh, if you're into the Royals, what kind of comics have they got on Comic House? And I found two. Oh. William Windsor, a very public print uh, published by Marcosia. 
uh, written by our friend Rich Johnson, artist by art by Gary oh, Erskine. And we've got Kate Middleton, the companion comic. Kate Middleton, <laughs> a very private print. Why are you laughing? These sound like really great Rex. <laughs> Kate Middleton, <laughs> a very private princess. Written again by Rich Johnson, art by Mike Collins and Owen Jules. I'm going to read the synopsis out of one of them. Which one do you Please rather? Don't. Oh, uh, does, do either of them have like d- dinosaurs and flying saucers? One's got guns in it. What? Neither. He lived in the shadow of his mother, denied the normal life he prayed for. <laughs> and when one woman began to give him just that, the world would snatch it away. See how the armed forces made a boy into a man and led him into the arms of the woman he loved. Guns, helicopters, and an engagement ring. A special edition to commemorate the royal engagement and wedding. William Windsor, a very might be over-egging it a bit on that uh, synopsis, I feel, uh, Rich, but good on <laughs> uh, 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 What? And you can read that and many other comics on uh, Comic Cast. Yes, there's lots well of other comics on Comic Cast as yeah. well. And it's basically... Some quite app- good ones on there as well. Yeah, the, yeah. yeah, there's loads of great stuff on there. It's basically like Netflix for comics. Uh, £3 a month. And you get access to that and an enormous library of digital indie comics a lot of uh stuff that's been recommended recently actually so it's a great way to um, discover all that stuff and get on there now um start your 14 day free trial and uh, dive headfirst into that world that we talk about every week by going to comichouse.com so there you go that was the most dramatic reading of a comic book you've ever done dan yeah, can I have to top it in future oh god yeah we yeah you i think from now on every week um, you've got to pick one to read dramatically. Pick out a synopsis of one of yeah. the uh, newly updated ones or something. Yeah, mm. yeah. Mm. I mean, especially like do it um, like really like dramatically. Yeah. If 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 the synopsis isn't that dramatic, but just put real read emphasis it, uh, put, into it, put real drama into it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You only Sounds went good. to the shops for a bag of chicken stuffing, but condoms, <laughs> condoms and chicken stuffing. But now you can witness. <laughs> oh god never mind this nonsense let's go on to the interview because trust me this is a good bit afterwards it's just gonna be us three again so who wants to listen to that being excited yeah 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 so um here you go folks here if you want some uh, real comics history um then check out our interview with des skin Okay then, this week we are very pleased to be joined by someone who has all the credits you could possibly imagine from the UK comics scene. Um, Tony's probably read all of them because you read all comics. Even I, man, I've read them all. Maybe, yeah. yeah. Um, Warrior, Wizard and Chips, House of Hammer, Starburst, Marvel UK, the list is endless. And his latest to add to that list is volume one of his autobiography, Says Des. Yes, it's our pleasure to welcome Des Skin to the show. Hello, sir. Hey up. <laughs> Champion. <laughs> That's the spirit. Yeah. Um, Thank you for joining us all the way in sunny. Well, is it sunny? No, the weather's just turned awful in the UK now, and it? it was been sunny for ages. Is there an end to that sentence? No. <laughs> there's never a, look. There's never yeah. an end to any of my sentences. Fucking hell! We can't, I'm, I'm clipping that. that. <laughs> Um, so for those Brighton, Brighton, yes, yeah, in your castle, you got a castle in Brighton, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, I have. Yeah, yeah, it's got um, got, uh, three gables, uh, a turret, three floors, and seven bedrooms. In fact, 
funny thing about it is I really felt I'd, I'd made it when it dawned on me I'd got more toilets in this house than rooms in the house I grew up in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's not exactly an Eagle Award, but there's something about it. Yeah. Maybe yeah. think, oh, wonderful, you know. Yeah, the amount of toilets in your house is a real sign of success, isn't it, really? I, yeah. I think. Yeah, mm, um, but before we do a whole ninety minutes about toilets <laughs> in your house, um, for those who don't know, Des, um, what is your sort of origin story in comics and how you sort of came to amass such a wonderful line of credits? Um, I, thank you for saying that. Um, I just wanted to work in comics from being a kid. I didn't have any. Uh, beliefs that I could do anything but it was an industry I really wanted to work in I would have been happy if my job was putting the staples into the spine as long as I was working in comics I didn't think when I grow up I'm going to be a writer an artist I mean I can draw but not as well as most of the guys I know in fact pretty much all of the guys I know I can write but not as good as most of the guys I know. So my take has always been to become a catalyst. I've 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 been a bit of a maverick, I suppose, in that I would go out on a limb and challenge IPC magazines when they were the world's biggest publishing company. And um, someone actually said on a Facebook page that I'd got balls of steel, which I thought was an interesting <laughs> turn of phrase. Yeah. Heaven only knows what would shoot out of them, but never mind. <laughs> Sparks. Sparks, yeah. thank you. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So I just thought I really would love to work in comics. I, I made my way there through local newspapers and then just brazenly came down to London. And uh, I met Mick Angler, the, the guy who in the 1950s had been doing Marvel Man. He was my first <clears throat> comics person. Um, because he was producing a, a comic called Super DC, which was okay. reprints of American stuff. And I thought, I know all about American comics. Um, back then, we didn't know anybody else who did. We were isolated, little pockets of, of uh, closet comics fans, you know? So you were just but, buying them at the newsagents as a teenager oh, and stuff like that, were you? Exactly. Yeah, in yeah. fact, I was buying them on my way back from Doncaster newspapers where I was employed and I'd take a train every evening back to Ghoul. And uh, I thought I can help Mick out. You know, the whole sort of ego that comic fans have. I can help him out. I know all about DC Comics. He needs me. So I came down to London, met him and discovered he didn't need me. He was a one man band basically. Um, so, he, but he was very nice. And he said, why don't you go see Mark's Press because they they might have a job and they're around the corner. So I went along to the publishers of TV21 and they didn't need me either and they said there's another one around the corner called IPC Magazines. They do more comics than anybody else. And so I just turned up there with no appointment and um, I showed my fanzines and they couldn't believe that anybody cared enough about their industry to produce fanzines. In fact, they paraded me around to the publisher, the managing editor, and said, look, look at this lad here. 
he actually produced <laughs> magazines about comics. <laughs> and uh, they hired me on Wizard and Chips. Oh, wow. So the, yeah. back then it was a sort of, everyone sort of wore a suit into the office and smoked a oh, pipe yeah. and it was that sort of thing, wasn't it? Yeah. I turned up in the office when I, I was on Buster. I turned up in the office wearing an orange T-shirt one day and I was called into the um, managing director's office and given a lecture on how I was representing IPC magazines and in my dress code and an orange T-shirt with with a hand-drawn Basil Wolverton illustration on it. Oh, wow. Okay. Was not de rigueur. Because <laughs> um, there's a picture of you and the, is it the, you call them the Buster Boys? In yes, says, that's isn't right. It? Yeah. 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 It looks like sort of 1953 BBC offices or something like that. And they're all in suits, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. it's so BBC. Um, one of my colleagues, in fact, has posted on, on my website saying, uh, on my Facebook page, saying about the editor, I never saw him without his pipe. <laughs> um, when did you last see anybody with a pipe? I know. Crack yeah, pipe. I don't know. Thank you for elevating the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it was incredibly formal. It really was. And and the big threat from the uh, assistant managing editor, they had a hierarchy within a hierarchy. Well, one of the things I found interesting about your book, Des, is that you were, at the same time as you were working for IPC in a very sort of professional, structured role, you were also had your foot in fanzines and uh, essentially what we call small press now. Mm. So that was at the time you were doing um, fantasy advertising, weren't you? Is that yeah, right? that's right. Um, how did that come about? How, what, doing two things? Or, or how, how did you, because I think you took over fantasy advertising. Yeah, didn't you? yeah the guy yeah. who started it, Frank Dobson, yeah. um, had been a pal of mine for years when I worked on Doncaster Newspapers. And I'd got free use of the phone. I used to call him up out of hours and have a chat. He was in <laughs> London. And I was right. Um, and pretty much the only person I, I could talk to about comics. Okay. was the 1960s. Hmm. Um, a fun decade in all other respects. But comics, not so much so. Right. And he was producing Fantasy Advertiser. And to cut a long story short, which I rarely do, he decided to emigrate to Australia, and I think there was some government deal on at the time. You know, you get cheap land when you get out there, and who knows. But he decided to go for it, and um, he said to to me and to a friend of mine, "Would we like to take it over for him um, and become caretakers of it, if you if you if you will?" So um, we did, and I was unhappy because I was producing my own fanzines, but. He had such a cool title, Fantasy Advertiser. I mean, we were all embarrassed about comics. Really, mm. the word fantasy was much more posh. Yeah. We didn't like saying we collected comics, you know. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. It wasn't as cool as it is these days, was it? Oh, it wasn't yeah. at all cool. Not <laughs> at all. I, I was at, when I was in London, when I'd moved down here, I, I remember I went to a party one evening and I was having a nice conversation with this, this female and... And she said, what do you do for a job? And I thought, oh, this is, <laughs> this is going to blow it. <laughs> and I said, uh, oh, I'm, I'm a journalist. I was a new yeah. J card carrying journalist. And she said, oh, really? What newspaper are you on? And I said, nah, it's not a newspaper. It's a, a magazine. And she said, oh, what magazine is it? And I said, nah, it's, it's a, a young, young group. You wouldn't know it, youth group. And she said, no, come on, what's it called? What's it called? And I said, 
Buster. <laughs> and the face sort of dropped. Uh, isn't that a strange expression? <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> a, jaw, a jaw dropped. Yeah. Mm, a lot of things dropped. Anyway. <laughs> I knew that's where that was going. She said, so what do you do on Buster? And I said, oh, I write it. I wasn't going to attempt to explain sub-editor. Yeah. I said, I yeah. write it. And she said, oh, oh, you do those wonderful drawings. I said, no, no, that's the artist. She said, oh, oh, so how do you manage to fit all those words into those little speech bubbles? I said, no, that's the letterer. She said, okay, so you don't draw it and you don't do the words. So what exactly do you do? I said, do you want another drink? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it was very difficult back then to explain quite what we did. Yeah. Really <laughs> still now, still people yeah. ask that. Don't yeah. They? Yeah. 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 Well, try being a sub-editor and yeah. explaining that as a job. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like some Devo thing, doesn't it? Really? <laughs> yeah, some, some submarine commander. Yeah. The, uh, <laughs> the, uh, the, the benefits of working at Fancy Advertiser, is that where you met Dave Gibbons? Is that how that happened? <laughs> yeah, I got I got this uh, artist, John Hudson, who was doing my covers for me. And he had a pal called Dave Gibbons from St. Albans who, who worked in London. Um, and he said he'd be very interested to work in comics. And, so I arranged for him to come up and see me. I was at IPC then. And uh, I, I remember he always used to come bounding into this open plan office and go, Watcha! He was always a sort of really jolly, happy... He still says Watcha now, I think. Does I've he? Heard him, yeah, yeah, I've definitely Lovely. heard him say it. Yeah, yeah. I, I say champion, as you know. <laughs> um, he, uh, he'd always come bounding into the office. Bounding, that's a good word. Bound. <laughs> With one bound, Dave was free. He would bound into the office and he would show me what he'd been drawing. And he'd done a Tales of the Watcher strip. And it all, it all ties in. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> he'd done this 15-page strip. and on, So on the Marvel character, you mean, sort of thing. That's yeah. right, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I said, you do realise that's copyright, don't you? Um. There's no way I could print that in my fanzine because it's Marvel's copyright. I was very, very wary about even using Marvel characters on the cover. In okay. The early issues that I did, they were they were fantasy illustrations. They weren't cashing in on anything because I didn't yeah, want anyone to jump on me from a great height. So I said to Dave, I couldn't run it. So he went away and totally redrew it all 15 pages. And then I said to him, this lettering's awful. A word of advice to any would-be artist, don't letter your own stuff, or at least just do it in pencil, because you're not selling yourself as a letterer. And lettering is something that can totally let down your mm. work. Yeah. Um, and in fact, I introduced him to a letterer who was an in-house one in the office, a guy called John Aldrich, who I used to go out drinking with on Friday nights. And um, good mate. And... He explained to Dave how lettering works and that you have to first rule lines in pencil onto what's called patch paper, sticky back paper. And you'd, you rule the lines first. So your lettering will be neat and tidy in straight lines. And Dave was gobsmacked. He didn't realize you had to do um, pencil lines first. And so his first job 
um, was to, to letter a two-page comic strip for me. While my editor was on holiday, I decided to give this job to Dave. And it was absolutely appalling lettering. I almost got fired. <laughs> um, so that was on Buster, was it? I think this was on... No, he actually drew for me on Buster. He, he drew. Oh, wow. He filled in for uh, Joe Cahoon. Yeah, yeah. Yes, oh, that's okay. how it's pronounced. Cahoon. Yeah, yeah. Catch um, you out, on it? Yeah. <laughs> from Gloucestershire. And um, he drew a thing called Zaga Man of Mystery for two or three weeks um, to give Joe a break because it's, it's, it's very tough being... Oh, wow, that's interesting. Just on a weekly. You know? Now, I know you've you've just had your the first volume of your autobiography out, you know, but um, I think Dave's, isn't he about to release his one as well, I think? Yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's <laughs> unsurprisingly, it's artwork is, but he did actually send me an email saying, can we swap? <laughs> <laughs> oh, great. Yeah. So, so we've swapped. I think I've heard this from from Dave. Were you his best man or was he your best man or something like that? Is that right? Well, I've not gotten married because I'm only 71. Right, good idea. Yeah. I'm too young for that. Don't jump into it. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I'm still looking for Miss Wright. <laughs> You're looking for Miss Wright now. In Brighton. That was a sexist joke. I yeah, well, <laughs> you know, in Brighton, I, I read that the ratio of heterosexual men is only one in five. All right, okay. Uh, okay. So, all you red bloody blokes, get yourselves down to Brighton because. Place to be. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yes, enough said. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, have you discussed? Didn't. Have you have you discussed what you're going to talk about each other in the books? You know, is it sort of um, any discussion around that or? No. No. Okay. Yeah, no. I just wondered. No. Yeah. You just have to take it as it comes, Dave. Um... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was his best man. Right. Okay. Yeah, I think he told me that. Yeah, I couldn't remember which way it yeah. was. Yeah. Um, it was. I, I and so that meant I was responsible for his stag night. Ah, cool. Yeah, yeah. Nice uh, there were a load of his local mates and me. And uh, I do remember I was staying at Dave's that night. And, and so I got him back to the house and I, I let go of him to ring the front doorbell. And he just collapsed into the roses. Oh, good uh, man. When yeah. his mother appeared at the door, she was horrified. But I mean, that's tradition, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And of now... course, getting off with his uh, sister. Oh, good. Uh, good wedding. to know. Tradition. Yeah. It's tradition. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> can't get around comics. it. Comics, let's talk comics. <laughs> yeah, so I was, the next thing I was going to mention is while you were still working um, at Buster and IPC, I'm guessing, you also ran, was it Comic-Con 71? Is that right? Yeah. Because we get we have got some people who organise comic conventions who are listeners. And yeah. we just wondered how that came about. How did you find yourself in that role? Because well, a lot of people wouldn't want to do it, would they? You know. It was great back then because there was only one convention a year. Okay. There were no comic marts. There was obviously no internet. The communication between fans was an annual event. Okay. We'd all yeah. turn up wherever it was going to be held. Having saved up our, our pocket money or our, our uh, surplus from our work for the once a year opportunity to just buy comics. It was so different, it's untrue. And I, we didn't book hotel rooms. We'd We'd turn up in places like Sheffield and Birmingham and we'd watch all night film shows. So yeah, I've done that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we wouldn't watch them. We'd fall asleep. But um, that that 
that was then. And the amazingly democratic thing was that some suddenly somebody would say, I'll do it next year. Okay. And everyone would go, oh, great. There was no rivalry or um, bitchiness. Uh, that was the biggest thing that I loved about the whole scene back in the 60s and 70s, that we were all guys with something in common. I'm sorry there weren't many women in there, so yeah. I keep saying guys, but whatever. So, um, And we all we all just wanted to achieve something. We all wanted to work in comics. Okay. Uh, it was a passion that drove us and, and bonded us, if you like. And someone would suddenly say, oh, I'd like to do a convention next year. So 1970s, somebody called Sam Plum in Sheffield. We'd never heard of him before. Nobody knew who he was. But he said, yep, I'll do it. So we all, great, we'll go up to Sheffield. And the year after, along with the owner of uh, Dark They Were and Golden Eyed, the original comic shop in London, fancy shop, um, we organised it between us. Um, oh, nice. And you got, was it Frank Bellamy was the, the sort of main guest of that, was it? Well, he was a mate of mine. He'd, oh, he'd, okay. been, uh, he'd been at my 21st birthday party with him and Nancy, his wife. Um, and he'd done this rather wonderful uh, cowboy illustration for me as a birthday present, something I eventually ran on the cover of Western Gunfighters. Oh, wow. Okay. Was that That's a amazing. wow from somewhere? Yeah, that yeah, was a wow from, from me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah well, That's good, you, that. You know it, Dan? Yeah, I don't know, but well, the, uh, that's what, we'll be looking a out. great little move. Yeah. Well, thank yeah. you for the wow anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, deny, I sort of donated publishing rights to it. Okay. Not, yeah. not the original, of course. No. Good man. But um, I just thought it's just such a cool illustration. People deserve to see it. So, hmm. uh, yeah, Frank, he was a good mate. Oh, nice one. Now, what an area I'm interested in, Des, is Mad Magazine. Oh, Did yeah. you go from IPC to Mad at that point? Was that the move or...? you remember yeah of course i can remember sorry yeah <laughs> yeah yeah i um i basically got fed up with ipc because it was a brilliant training ground it really was you get the hottest sub editors working ipc because you you were put through hoops to get it right every week you would take the proofs to your boss and he'd call you up quarter an hour later and say <sighs> page three, turning your copy of proofs to page three. You read it, you can't see anything wrong with it. And he'd sigh again and say, Third bank, because they're in single banks like newspaper strips, you know. Yeah. So you look at the third bank of Clever Dick and his daft dog Napoleon, <laughs> and you still can't spot anything. And then he'll lecture you on how far it is to Dundee because they're the only competition to london's ipc back then oh right okay if yeah. you couldn't make it there you couldn't make it anywhere you'd have to go to scotland and that was the big threat <laughs> <laughs> i've been to dundee i know it's like yeah. it's all right yeah. but if you're in london in the 70s that is yeah. a serious threat you know were, were there any sort of contemporaries who are still about now and were the likes of sort of john wagner and pat mills and all those guys were tom tully and later. did you see that yeah. Later, you see, I was right. at IPC 7075. Um, it was just towards the end of that that uh, John and Pat had started boosting the girls' comics. Uh, okay. 
Yeah. I mean, I was gone two years before 2000 AD and battle and John Wagner taking over on Valiant. Um, wow. I'd moved yeah. on. I'd learnt where the apostrophes go. I'd learnt all of the dull details of being a sub-editor. And there was nowhere for me to go. I tried. They did say that if you come up with your own idea, you can edit it. Okay. So I came up with Chiller as a weekly comic with uh, film features in to keep the budget down and to attract a, a bigger audience. Um, and they just didn't like it as a weekly called Chiller and said it would be better as an annual called The Buster Book of Spooky Stories. Okay. Right, really. Yeah, um, <laughs> Chiller is an amazing name. Chiller is an yeah. amazing name. Yeah. It's got British Weekly written yeah. all over it. That one. Yeah. It, it yeah. ends in the letter R. Have you ever yeah. thought how important that is for a British Weekly? No, no. Well, rack your brains. I'll give you a few to start you off. Buster, warrior, warrior Buster, yeah, Tiger, Tiger, yeah. Victor, yeah, Hotspur. Oh, uh, okay. I see where you're going. Yeah. Yeah. And it's always a single word title, a short, snappy single word title. So that, as I always say to would be um, comics people, they should be able to read the title of your comic from across the road. Uh, okay. It tends to be direct sale these days, but even in comic shops. Uh, my favorite big mistake was when somebody, Vertigo, came out with something called Kira Stura. You couldn't read the title logo. <laughs> Worse, there you couldn't even pronounce it if you could read it. Yeah, yeah we like creepy and eerie. There, you can see them. You, I can see them now. Yeah, you can see. Well, we do have the uh, really long titles now, don't we? Like the house at the edge of the woods and stuff. Yeah, the nice like, house uh, on the lake and all this sort of. You're like, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. Not for me. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, speaking of a one-word title, yeah. can we quickly get back to Mad? Did you? <laughs> could, did you come back? Did you have much dealings with with Gaines at all? Did you speak to him much or? Not a lot, really. No. Um, I, I've, I've tended to be very lucky and be autonomous, whatever I've done, if it's licensed, right. whether it's uh, Doctor Who or Hammer Films or Mad yeah. um, or Tarzan. Yeah. Um, quite autonomous. I'm just left to it, which is how I like it to be. Um, okay. But um, we did have a... I was a member of a, gr uh, a group called Society of Strip Illustration. It was awesome yeah. posh. It was Ron Embleton... Frank Bellamy, uh, Don Lawrence, uh, Martin Asbury, Brian Lewis. There were about 12 okay. of us. And we would have these monthly meetings to discuss the industry. Now, to get drunk, we'd just all meet up in a pub. And then when the pub shut, we'd, um, we'd go across the road to the... Uh, there was a journalist's club that one of us was a member of, so he would take nine guests in. It was, but we went to New York, is the point okay. of the story. And Dennis Gifford, one of the gang, thought it was hilarious that I couldn't find Mad Magazine's office because we were going out to see Mad. We went out to see um, Joe Kubert's uh, school in Dover, New Jersey as well. Oh, wow. um, and Joe became a, a lifelong pal of mine. Um, oh, nice. That. Um, yeah, we spent New Year's Eves together, and uh, oh, wow. Oh, wow. Ian Muriel were just great, you know. And I got so to good. know students, you know, people like uh, oh, Steve Bissett, uh, yeah. he was a student at the time, yeah. Um, and uh, Rick Veach, uh, the gang that basically ended up doing Swamp Thing, yeah, yeah. 
at, at Joe's Academy at the time. So wow. yeah, so Mad, there you go. I, we didn't, I, we didn't really have anything to do with the American Mad. We we were coming out twelve times a year. Right, because there's a, eight. That's right. They were sort of down to eight at one point, weren't they? Yeah. But there's a question. It's, it's yeah. an American publishing method that you only do eight issues a year. I, it would confuse the devil out of me. There's a there's a story I've got to ask you about this. There's a um uh, a, a, an interview with Gaines where he said he had a blazing row with the English editor of Mad over the release of a poster. Now was that you or not? Can you remember that? It certainly I've been able to remember it if I had yeah. a blazing row with him. I mean, right? Okay. Sort of a Father <clears throat> Christmas kind of figure, you know, big yeah. bearded. Yeah, no, and I, I just I was curious because I only read it the other day, and, and you coming on tonight, I thought I got asked. No, the, it's it must. There were only three editors of the British Mad, right? Um, across its life of what about forty years or something like that. Yeah, um, and I was the middle one. Okay, um, fine. Yeah, yeah. I basically made it much more film oriented. Yeah, that's the question that yeah. that follows into the, the other question I had. Des, is you you've spoken about this is about how a lot of mad covers were the movie you know thing but a lot of them they were they weren't that eye-catching and you you commissioned covers yourself didn't you yeah, yeah. Stuff. well the yeah. rubbish jokes one that stands yeah. out in my mind is alfred e newman um as a pizza delivery boy with a stick you know this thing i think it's an american kids game with a, a hoop and a stick yeah yeah they yeah. use the stick to make the hoop roll down the street well, he was doing it with a pizza. I thought, well, that's hilarious, isn't it? That's side <laughs> <laughs> splitting humour there. Yeah. that, we've got an adaptation of The Omen, let's say, inside. Why isn't it on the cover? Yeah. yeah. I've always yeah. had this belief that your cover is your shop window. Mm. So you put your most eye-catching attraction from inside your shop in the window you don't put something that you haven't got for sale i used to think it was a cheap when brian bolland did covers for doom patrol and it was a totally different artist and you so opened it up and it's someone else yeah, yeah we were we, talking about that uh, last week yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, there's one i was no i was because i was comparing american and uk mads last week actually uh, and there's one with the um, the bionic man on the cover and it's so much better and the other one was some crappy joke about the sign outside a news agents or something, you know, yeah. but your your one was amazing. So good. Yeah. Yes, we Who are. was doing that? Mort Drucker. Did you were you contacting? No, I didn't. I commissioned I commissioned Brits. I mean you couldn't okay. wait long enough for someone from an American uh city to send his artwork by FedEx. It just took too long. Right. Harry North was a friend of mine who had worked with the IPC magazines and he was working for American Mad, but he was still living in uh, Essex. So I commissioned him straight away. And right. also some of the guys I'd worked with in the past, because that's what editors do. You get yeah. your team of people together who you know will deliver on time and on budget and a quality level too, mm. and you stick with them. So Alf Saparito, who used to draw Gus Gorilla. Oh, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can't make a monkey out of Gus. In, <laughs> come on, boys. What was that in? Is that Wizard and No? Whoopee? No, no. Core? Yes! Yes. You didn't know there was going to be a quiz, did you? God, no, no. <laughs> <clears throat> so, Alf Saparito did some covers for me. In fact, even Brian Lewis did. He did a Starsky and Hutch cover. That's Brian Lewis. Oh, wow. 
I'm yeah, a big, big Brian Lewis Hammer. fan. Yeah. There's that stuff he did, you did with um, the House of Horror, Hammer Horror thing. Amazing. Some of that. Uh, Hammer was. Horror thing. I'm so glad you've done it. I know, but it's got two titles, didn't it? I didn't know which one he was in. Yeah. Three titles. So there you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do a bit of Helen Keller. Nobody will know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Brian, Brian had, had been known for doing humor stuff. He drew Tomboy when I worked on Core. Okay. So I was familiar with his work for humour as well as I knew he did Jet Ace Logan. And this is one of the advantages of being a fan turned professional. You have a greater knowledge of the history. Yeah. Yeah. Than just your working stiffs. So, in fact, Brian's agent came to me when I was doing House Hammer and said, um, I've got an artist who I think would be good for you, Brian Lewis. I went, God, he's a bit dated, isn't he? Because, <laughs> you know, you don't care when you're an editor. Yeah. I said, oh dear, no, no, he's, he's so 1950s. We're looking at the the sort of Warren Spanish artist's influence now. We we're in the 70s, you know. And of, obviously Brian was told this because the following week, I was given it. <coughs> the following week, I was given this presentation, a montage that Brian had done in the style of Esteban Maroto. And oh, wow. Pepe Gonzalez and all the rest of the Jose Chutain team of artists coming out of Barcelona. So he got a job. Wow. Oh, there you go. <coughs> yeah. The um the legend of the seven golden vampires is That's just it. outstanding. Yeah. So good. Absolutely. Yeah. What was it like yeah. sort of working on like the, the hammer stuff? I mean, I'm a huge like hammer horror, horror fan. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I'm a huge horror. So what was that like for you sort of working on a on a series like that and so we've only got an hour, have we? <laughs> <laughs> Just wanted to check. You're going to cram 50 years of If you say 50 <laughs> years in one sentence. Yeah. <laughs> Champion. Yeah. Champion. Yeah. Champion. So, yeah, oh, it was amazing. I mean, I I actually would I would have evening drinks with the managing director of Hammer Films. Wow. Oh, what, in uh, Soho, down that way? Because that's well, where they were both. It was only in, three yeah. doors away from where I was working. Oh, wow, so okay. I was in the Columbia Warner building, and he was in, <laughs> here's a coincidence, Hammer House. Yeah, still says that on it. It still says it, I know, it, it does, yeah. doesn't it? Mm. And um, every time I'd got a new issue, I'd go around their office and give them half a dozen copies, and and Michael Carreras would just open the drinks cabinet, and me, him, and Christopher Wicking, his script editor, would all just sit back and have a joke and a laugh and a drink. And I'd, I'd get invited down to the film studios as well. They'd, when they finished, oh, to the devil a daughter, finished yeah. being the word, it finished them off. Um, we went to look at a rough cut in Michael's roller, in his Rolls Royce. And uh, we, we got to the studios and he said to me, look, I'm going to ask you at the end, as the only outsider here, what you thought of it. Because the crew's going to be here watching it. The actors have gone, but the crew's here. Don't tell me what you think of it. Just tell me how wonderful it was. And then in the car on the way back, you can tell me what you really thought. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. So we're in the car on the way back, and he opens this little James Bond-like drawer and gets the drinks out in the back of the Rolls Royce. And um, he says, come on, what do you think of it? And uh, I don't know how many of your listeners are familiar with To the Devil a Daughter, yeah. but it has a rubbish ending. Right. Basically, and it's not really a spoiler because nothing could spoil no. this. 
it's that bad already. Um, <laughs> Christopher Lee's the villain, and Richard Widmark's the hero because you always have to have token American just to get sales over that. And when Christopher Lee's built up to his going to do something really terrible, Widmark throws a stone at him, it hits him on the head, and that's the end of the film. That's right, I remember that, yeah. And so Michael says, come on, what do you think of it, Des? I said, um, I didn't understand the ending. Right. And Michael said, I read about this, yeah. Neither did I. <laughs> and I thought, you're a producer. You're the man responsible for it. Yeah. And, and then Christopher Wicking, script editor, sitting there with us, said, no, I didn't get it either. And I thought, what kind of industry is this? <laughs> yeah, God. I had five years being told off for running four dots instead of three at the end of a speech balloon. <laughs> you guys, you create a film and you don't have any control over it. You know, you don't even know that somebody's changed the ending. Because when you got egotists like Widmark and Lee, they are going to be going, you're my character, you can possibly say that in either an English or an American accent. And just doing pink pages on, on the spot, you know, rewrites. Um, and they'd lost control totally. Um, and I just, and, and Michael said, but what we can do? The actors have all gone. What we can do? <clears throat> so, 26 year old coming up with a solution to a film industry problem. I never knew Michael likes. I said, stick a quote from the Bible up. You know, that's what they do, isn't it? And lo, it came to pass, whatever. I don't know if they ever did, because I never saw it again after that run. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll send you yeah, a DVD. It was, it was <laughs> yeah. amazing. Yeah, it was amazing working with Hammer Films, because I would be introduced to people, and I was never an absolute Hammer geek. Yeah. My knowledge went as far as knowing that Vincent Price never did a Hammer film, and that was about it. Okay. And I'd be up there, and, the, and and Chris, who became a great friend of mine, Chris Wicking, said, "Oh, um, Des, this is Phil Martell." And I, oh, how do you do? Nice to meet you. Who's he? <laughs> um, he does he does the music for Hammer films. Oh, right, wonderful. That's um, amazing. Yeah. I, yeah. And I met Les Bowie, who did the special effects, and had been a major name in special effects in this country for decades. Um, and he was like the mad professor. They'd put him in a, a wooden hut away from the studios because they weren't sure he'd blow anything up. <laughs> and I, I met all of these amazing people and I don't think I really appreciated it because I wasn't that big a fan. You know, the same with Doctor Who. I wasn't that big a well, fan. Yeah, that's interesting Who. as well, isn't it? Yeah. But I mean, did, did the hammer just. Went on the road together. Who did, sorry? Tom Baker. Oh, wow. Jack okay. who played the Doctor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The best Doctor. Yeah, yeah. I was always yeah. a tomboy. <laughs> so with the Hammer House stuff, did, it doesn't sound like they had to okay it before you printed it. You would just oh, take it in afterwards. Did. What did they know about publishing? <laughs> about as much as I knew about movies. And, and my attitude was, if you are willing to license your property to me, it isn't just for the money. It can't be. Um, it's because yeah. you believe I can make your product shine in my industry. I can do a good job for you. And that's how licensing should work, that you never tread on the toes of a licensee. 
because yeah. you don't understand their industry as well as they do and if you do you've not picked a very good licensee okay interesting mm-hmm. yeah so you've collect you've collected the hammer stuff haven't you i bought it off you yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah that's great a, i did a very limited below the radar collection of uh oh 300 and odd pages of it yeah i've got it here yeah it's great a hefty tome yeah um and i had to scan all the pages in and clean them up because obviously I, well i was the i think the first guy to give the originals back to artists in this country right that's cool the originals yeah. back in 75 okay <laughs> which yeah. is which is very noble i'm sure but if you want to do a reprint all you've got are these really badly printed mm. copies um yeah, they're having trouble, I think, in 2008 at the moment, aren't they? Trying to recover pages to stick mm. them in one of these artist editions, type Apex editions, they call them. Yeah, I really? can imagine. I can imagine. Yeah. Because mm. comics were always disposed of, disposably ephemera. Yeah. Printed on the cheapest paper possible. Yeah. Uh, and, of course, IPC owned their own printers. And so this is why their printing was so bad, because even though you'd got web offset printers out there, they stuck with the old letterpress printers because they were part of IPC. Okay. So that's why things like Starlord were suddenly much better printed than 2000 AD because they they were at capacity with their own printers. So they had to go outside of their own printers, which meant they would uh, obviously go to the best quality printers they could get for the job. Yeah. And then I mean, as, as soon as some time came up on, on their own printers' schedules, they would just drop Liverpool Web Offset or whoever it may be and take it back to Fleetway Gravesend. So something like the Eagle, for instance, in one week went from being a beautifully printed Web Offset comic with Ian Kennedy artwork on Bandera. And then the following week, it was just horribly blotchy and on toilet paper. Yeah. Oh. And it had been, it had been in the print was a real mafia back then, wasn't it? Pre, you know, the whopping riots and all that sort of thing. It, they, they, they were quite controlling people, weren't they? I think the princes. Incredible. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah, a lot of power. Yeah. Well, we, it was we, all unionized. Yeah. You know. Yeah. We, we were NUJ. They were Natsopa and Slade and whatever. Um, it, yeah. It was heavily unionized, and you had to be a member of a union to yeah. work in the yeah. industry. Yeah. Yeah. That was right. why the the whopping riots, because it all went computerized and all that sort of thing, didn't they? And yeah, yeah, yeah. Really interesting. Yeah. We've, we've only got you for an hour, Des, so there's a couple of other things we've definitely got to ask you about. Now, your work in film IP and stuff like Starburst and the Hammer Horror, I'm guessing, got you the job at Marvel UK, the country <laughs> of, of Stan, is that right? Yeah, Stan headhunted me. Wow. Right. Oh. <laughs> oh, sorry, oh, Stan, the one who came up with Says Des as a title. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the man, right. by the yeah. way, who admitted I did better Tarzan calls than he did. I mean, what anecdote do you want first? What do you just read each other? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I actually got him a bit drunk. Shock, isn't it? <laughs> uh, yeah, he, he headhunted me because basically Marvel UK, or no, British Marvel, it was called back then. Yep. British Marvel, we uh, printed all the best stuff. And by about 1978, they were reprinting Sergeant Fury and his Howling Commandos to a British audience. Yeah, you know it didn't stick, and their sales were plummeting. And as both Jim Shooter and I have said, Star Wars was the only thing keeping the company afloat. Okay, in America and in Britain. 
Yeah, Star Wars Weekly was huge, wasn't it, over massive. here? Yeah, massive. yeah. But um, Marvel America tried to sell the British company off. Nobody was interested. IPC said, we'll have Star Wars Weekly, but they didn't want Spider-Man and Mighty World of Marvel, which, by the way, Stan had wanted to call the wonderful world of Marvel. Until somebody said, yeah, Disney might sue. Yeah. So he changed it to the mighty world of Marvel. Okay. Secret origin. <laughs> That's why I was called that. Okay. Uh, yeah, Stan headhunted me anyway. And um, Did you have to go out and meet him out there and all that sort of thing? Did you, Tabitha? Nah. No. He came up to me. <laughs> <laughs> he was going to be in England for a weekend. He was a member of some international Rotarian society or other. Oh, yeah, I get and you. He was going to give a talk in Bristol. Are they the ones uh, who wear aprons, Des? Is that the lot? They wear aprons. Oh, no, no, and the curl up one trouser leg. No, that's, that's the one. Yeah. It's <laughs> a lot of weird. <laughs> <laughs> he, um, he was going to be in London for a weekend and then going over to, to, to Bristol. Um, he was staying in Marble Arch, renting a car and then driving down to Bristol because he'd never driven in Britain before. And uh, He was an Anglophile. I mean, his wife was from Newcastle. Yeah. Um, we And um, he had had a report from me on the state of Marvel, British Marvel, their position in the industry and how they could improve it. And he obviously liked it because he invited me to join him for the weekend. Um so we drove down to Bristol together. Oh, that's got harrowing stories. In oh, that's marvellous. Yeah. I mean, he'd never seen a roundabout before. <laughs> he rented the biggest car he could get, a Bentley, I think it was. I didn't drive at the time. So I was sitting next to this man who'd never driven on the left-hand side of the road before, who wanted to go down all the country lanes, because they're picturesque, no motorways, he didn't want to do motorways. And when he first came to a roundabout, he was like, Des, what do we do here? <laughs> and I said, pray. <laughs> um, and by the time we got to Bristol, I was, I, was, oh, I was a nervous wreck. So we got into the hotel and he said, um, what do you want to do now? I'm not on until tomorrow at one in the afternoon. I said, oh, let's go to the bar. So, so we went to the bar and he said, what are you having? I said, oh, I'll have a large G&T. And he went, I don't know what that is, but I'll have one too. So we both had large G&Ts and then we had another large G&T. And then we went off to see the place who's going to be talking the next day. We had to go through this underpass under the road. And I said to him, oh, don't you love the acoustics in these places? You just want to sing. It's like being in the bath. And he agreed with me. He was, a, he was a bit wobbly by then on his pins because he wasn't a hardened drinker, our stamp. And uh, I said, they're great for doing Tarzan calls. And I started doing a... And so did Stan. And he went, gee, Des, my Tarzan isn't as good as yours. <laughs> ah. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> so you got the job then? <laughs> <laughs> Yep, skin of the apes. <laughs> <laughs> he uh, he basically liked my ideas in saving the company. So the first thing I did was I rebranded it Marvel UK. Yeah. Okay. Because yeah. 
I didn't want it to be considered a reprint house, you know. It mm-hmm. Well, that's and another I, thing you did is you started original content, didn't you? Yeah, didn't I had you? ambition. Do the whole stuff. Yeah. I I've always used reprints to lower the break even, so I could afford to get new stuff later on. I did it with Mad. Yeah. New stuff. Yeah. Use reprints to be able to afford new stuff. I did it with British Marvel or Marvel UK, as I rebranded it, with the Marvel Revolution, which half of the existing audience hated because they should have grown out of the British Marvels by then and gone on to the American titles, but they hadn't. So when I suddenly came along and got rid of the glossy covers and made them look more like the victor uh, with about 10 pictures on a page, the fans were, oh, they were really annoyed. And this was to fight Hulk, Hulk Weekly, which was Steve Dillon. Did you get him Both of them. Sorry, yeah. I had a joke for the end of that one. Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> the, fans were, the, fans, the fans were really annoyed. Both of them. Ah, yeah. We'll edit that in. Thank you. <laughs> but we did get a much bigger audience by making it look like the Victor and Hotspur mm, okay. yeah. because okay. they were selling 200,000 a week and, and British Marvel were doing sort of 25,000 a week. Okay. Um, so the trick of the business of, of newsstand publishing is not to get the readers, but to get the wholesalers. If you can get the wholesalers on board, if they like what you're doing, they will order copies. And yeah. if they order copies, copies will be available to the newsagents. And if copies are available to the newsagents, people know they exist and will buy okay. them. So all of these things we used to do back then free gifts when there were rare things to do free gifts yeah um going on tour with tom baker we weren't going on tour to the audience we were going on tour to the wholesalers because okay we wanted to convince the trade that there was money to be made here and they shouldn't miss out that was really important because mm. uh, i've always believed you don't preach the converted i used to say to the team on doctor weekly don't aim at the fans they'll buy it anyway yeah the trick yeah. is to get the general public interested in what you're doing um and that's something i've always strived for do you Sometimes, think that's something we've lost a bit nowadays i think oh incredibly yeah. now because of comic shops which i know america needed to save the industry but now it's the law of ever diminishing returns because it's why they have to keep relaunching titles yeah um it's not about longevity anymore it's about newness and it makes me laugh when people and this includes 2000 ad bless them for still being there they talk about jumping on points has it never occurred to these publishers it's equally a jumping off yeah. point yeah, yeah we've talked about down here yeah. Yeah. yeah if you end all your stories people go ah oh, i don't have to buy it now yeah that's yeah. four pound fifty i don't have to spend a month yeah. now and i've done it yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Did I answer your question, Maddie? You did. That was yeah, very good. Yeah. yeah. I don't remember my question, but I'm sure you did. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> um, and the other thing we've got to ask you about, man, is is Warrior. I mean, I, I was a kid buying it at the local news agents and uh, absolute revelation. How did that come about, Des? Well, with Marvel UK and my trusty team, we'd turned it around. We'd made it profitable. And this was the stuff like, did you do Daredevils and 
No, those, no, that was those. a competitor to Warrior Daredevils. Of course it was, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, that was the legacy of skin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, uh, I, I did the Hulk comic, Doctor Who Weekly. Uh, Blake Seven? No, Weekly? that was that was a legacy of skin. That was a right, okay. Doctor Who works, Blake Seven will. No, it yeah. won't. Yeah, it didn't um, long, r- r- long run, did it, that one? No. no, it's like cinema. When all the film magazines were turning their titles into video, Marvel UK launched cinema. I thought, well, there's <laughs> a bit of interesting timing. <laughs> I, I came up with the pocketbooks. Oh, uh, yeah. To yeah. recycle the material yet again, but in a highly affordable format. I very deliberately stamped their line as being cheap weeklies, more expensive monthlies, and a line of specials. They'd never heard of specials because before me, it was Larry Lieber in, the, in New York who was putting the comics together. Yeah. It just had a production office in London to handle the advertising and any, any talk to the printers. I think, I think well, David Michelini has commented that all he did was add U's to words, you know, like colour and things like that, you know. <laughs> I'm yeah. sure that's true. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and they'd never heard of summer specials or winter specials, and so they didn't produce them. So right. I started a line of specials. It was pretty obvious stuff, but um, it all worked. And because it worked, it became profitable. And, I mean, here's an interesting aside. Marvel... America used to charge Marvel Britain for the use of the name Marvel and for the reprint material at the end of every financial year. And they would be billed an amount which surprisingly was roughly the same as the amount of profit Marvel UK had made. Right. Are you starting to get the Yeah, idea? yeah, no, I get you. Yeah. yeah. Tax implications? Cunning accountants. Yeah. Yeah. Cunning accountants. That sounds like a euphemism for something. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, um, that meant that Marvel UK was a separate company, right? Hmm. I believe it even said limited at the end of some of the imprints. So if Marvel UK was commissioning material, new material, like Night Rain, that was one of mine. Um, yeah. Who owned Night Raven? Okay. Not Marvel America. We weren't a subsidiary. Gotcha. Okay. We were, okay. we were a licensee who paid them money to use their material. So if we created material, who owned it? Marvel right. UK? There was a rumor going around that the reason they took so long reprinting Night Raven was they didn't know who owned it. Okay, yeah. Ah, anyway, interesting. Yeah. Little, little aside there. Yeah, that is interesting. And you've got those Black Knight stories as well, haven't you? Oh, and yeah, I know Black yeah. Knight has started appearing in, is about to start appearing in the sort of movies and everything like that. Yeah. So they might be, yeah. I never thought he was suited for Manhattan, the whole idea of a guy on a flying horse with a sword. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, it's not a defensive weapon, is it? You know? <laughs> yeah. Stop or I'll stab you. They literally have him hitting people with the flat of the sword and things like that, yeah, don't they? Yeah, yeah. That's yeah, like yeah. two-gun kids shooting guns out of outlaws' hands. Lovely yeah. stuff. <laughs> yeah. um, but no, I just thought Black Knight, his origins rooted in Merlin. Yeah. Coincidentally, so is Captain Britain. Yeah. So let's start a Black Knight strip set in Cornwall and have him coming up against uh, Mordred, um, 
helping Arthur in Avalon. And let's surprise our readers by having somebody who we don't know who he is and then revealing a few issues later on, it's Captain Britain. Um, I snuck him in. Yeah. Uh, just for the benefit of those who'd been with us for five years and remembered him from the first time around. Same yeah. thing with Marvel Man. I didn't say who he was on the cover. So it was a bit of a okay. surprise for people. It's If, if it works, <laughs> repeat it. Yeah, uh, yeah. Ah, oh, so good. It all oh, be when, when, su- when surprises were an actual thing that existed, yeah. nothing. Yeah, the word spoiler didn't exist back then. Yeah, yeah. But uh, so uh, just about Warrior before, you know, what? Um, how did that come about, Des? Oh, yeah. I, I absolutely, yeah. man, that that comic, absolutely brilliant. And the thing I always say, just before you begin, but I, I just said it to the boys before we started, is the Yanks don't get Warrior. You use for a long time, you could pick it up quite cheaply. But it's got these real formative, you know, these real sort of legendary characters in. The, but the because it's not in a monthly comic, the Americans weren't getting it, you know. And it's not in color. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I mean, did yeah. anybody like what they did to V for Vendetta? No. It didn't suit color, did it? Doesn't really, it. No, it's yeah. designed. It wasn't drawn for color. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um. So yeah, how did it start? Well. Yeah. I um. I'd enjoyed my time at Marvel UK. But I felt it had had its, it had run its course. Um, I'd done what I set out to do, which was to make it profitable for for America, save the company, like. And I'd I'd played in stands, sandbox. Now I wanted my own. Okay. <laughs> for a man who started out thinking I'll be happy just to put the staples in comics. I, I started setting my sights a little bit higher, I think. Um, so I just said to my team, let's do it again, but do it for ourselves. So instead of having Captain Britain, we'll have Marvel Man. Okay. Instead of having Absalom Dark Dalek Slayer, who we came up with for Doctor Who Weekly. Another interesting one about who owns the copyright. Well, and, and it was also in an episode of the TV series, yeah, briefly on the screen, wasn't he? Yeah. Oh, they were all fans. They grew up on that. Yeah. Stuff. It's lovely, really, when you Such a great character age. as well. Yeah. yeah. And and he was basically, my brief to the writer and artist was, it's Conan in space, drunk. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. That was it. That was it. And Good. Texas... Texas Chainsaw Massacre had just come out, and, and so we thought it'd be funny to give him something a for the kids. Sword. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, something for the kids. Never, you see, never write down to your audience is something else that I believe. Yeah, um, which was more than apparent with Warrior, uh, but equally, don't don't be clever, don't go over their heads, don't lose your audience, don't come up with a title like Chiaroscuro. Yeah. 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 yeah, you're just trying to be clever, aren't you? That's what you're trying yeah. to do, you're trying to impress Why? someone. Yeah. Why? Yeah. You know? yeah. So yeah, yeah. Um, and I just basically either brought back characters that I could, like Father Shandor, oh, House of so Hammer, um, or created versions of characters we'd already done. So uh, the most obvious of all, of course, is the Vendetta, which was Night Raven. Yeah. Night Raven, for those who don't know, was in Hulk comic and he was a he was an enigmatic vigilante whose face you never saw, who wore a mask 
and had on his chest a symbol that was a um, a dramatised raven with two wings pointing out, <coughs> coming to the down to the body in a circle. So it was basically the same as a V. Ah, uh, okay. And he was um, very pulpy as well, wasn't he, Night Raven? For me. Oh, it was set yeah. in the 30s. I basically was wanting to get the atmosphere of uh, the shadow and the spider and the G9 and his battle aces and all that kind of mm. G8, yeah, G8 and his battle aces. And, uh, and I said to Steve Barkhouse, the writer who had worked with IPC, it was, he was part of the gang. I said, um, let's, let's get this film noir kind of ambience to it um, in three pages. You know. uh, and he came up with a line for the first one that said, night in the city. And I thought, that's quite good, but I think night time in the city has got a better ring to it. And so we'd start every strip with night time in the city, cool. little three page strip, and then end it with night time in the city. It was a gimmick, but it worked. Mm, yeah. um, and I just thought I'd enjoyed working on that so much. I had a secret origin worked out with the character that I never got around to revealing, but um, I said, let's do Night Raven again to David Lloyd. Um, but let's set it in the future instead of the past so we don't get sued. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he said, well, there's a guy I've worked with on some of the backup strips in Doctor Who Weekly after you left um, called Alan Moore. Um, I'd, can he have a go at writing it? And I said, yeah, why not? I mean, if, you, if he's willing to work on spec, as in, if I don't like it, I don't pay you. Okay. I'm willing to look at his work. So um, that's how Alan Moore got to write it. Um, although he was, as maybe famously known by now, wanting to call it the Ace of Shades. Okay. Well, I was never a Lemmy fan, so I didn't even like the joke the first time I heard it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And I hate things which have got gimmicky titles because the first half a dozen times you smile and then you get bored by it. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. a, friend, a friend of mine had a shop down here in Brighton, comic shop, and he called it Reservoir Frogs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think I heard <laughs> a titter from the audience. Yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. a weird one there. Yeah. So I didn't like Ace of Shades, but something else as an editor you'll learn very quickly is don't diss anything unless you've got a better idea. Because where does it leave you? Yeah, okay. You've just told the writer you think it's a crap idea. You haven't given him a better one and you've got pages to fill. So what yeah. do you do? You know. So mm. I spent two or three weeks ruminating and um, I eventually thought... Vendetta's a great word. It's not been done. Most words seemingly have been done. Anything I could think of, already done it. I mean, half the names are in the Legion of Superheroes, you know. Yeah. There was very little left. And I thought, Vendetta's a great word. It's so dramatic. A little bit Italian. For a guy who's meant to be British. Yeah. And then I suddenly remembered Churchill's V for Victory in World War Two, And I thought, V for Vendetta. It's no longer aiming at a victory. It's against a totalitarian future government, let's call it that. So that was basically what I gave to Alan Moore, and he ran with it in an amazing manner. I'd hate to think what he would have done had we not got the letter V. 
Yeah. Yeah, good. I mean, Ace can only go so far. <laughs> so, bear in mind you were working with a lot of big characters, albeit early in their career back then. You know, you know, Alan Davis as well, um, Gary Leach. How, yeah, yeah. Um, what was your sort of policy of how you guided them or how you edited them? If you you must have a you know you must have repeated or you know I've got this sort of philosophy about how you dealt with creatives, I suppose. I like to call it Yorkshire subtlety. Tact, <laughs> <laughs> <Dad>, what's that? <laughs> um, in fact, John Bolton one time he said to me, "You know, you never say anything nice." about my work <laughs> no you never compliment my work right yeah and i said john i give you the biggest compliment i possibly can what's that i print it very <laughs> <laughs> yeah. true very true yeah <laughs> Creators have the habit of believing their own press releases too much often. Yeah. Yeah. And they forget we're all doing a job to entertain an audience, not to entertain ourselves yeah. or our family or our next door neighbors. Don't give me anybody who says, I write it for people like me. There is nobody like you. You are unique, whoever you are. And you will get a free copy anyway. <laughs> yeah. Write yeah. it for an audience that wouldn't automatically want to read it. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Then you're growing yeah. a market. Yeah. This is gold, Des, and I, I, I think maybe we'll call this part one if you, if with all due, if you yeah. don't mind. But <laughs> yeah, okay. I think to be volume fair to you, one, did, volume yeah, one, volume like one, his autobiography. Yeah, yeah, we did, we did invite you on because we um, talked about your new autobiography recently, and it is brilliant, and it's absolutely full of that like you say anecdotes but also full of some great photographs and early dave gibbons art and you know all this sort of thing in there how did you why did you come about at this point to write it what sort of was it was it a bit of lockdown fever or what happened sort of i've right i'm in this weird position where anything i'd want to do i've pretty much done right okay and i've been doing this giant wrap-up over the last few years, oh God, this is going to be such a morbid ending. <laughs> I produced two issues of Monster Mag that I'd promised I would do in 1975. Right. Uh, I produced the final issue of Volume Two of House of Hammer. Um, I did the collected House of Hammer. I've done all these things in the last couple of years and it was sort of like rounding off my career, you know, stuff okay. that we hadn't sold because that's why you never see any collected warrior because we oh. sold the properties off or the right. creators fell out with each other or died. Um, right. I mean, it's quite tragic. I look back at Starburst, all of my contributors now are dead except for two. Oh, wow. Okay. Whoa. Yeah, yeah. Remind you of your own mortality. Yeah. So yeah. I've spent the last few years just doing the things that I'd always promised and never got round to. Uh, volume binders. Stuff that I can do easily. I'm, I'm no longer interested, sadly, in going out through WH Smith's because they have become pretty much monopolistic and they've forgotten that their job 
is to be thankful to publishers for producing things they can make money out of. Mm. You've almost got to pay them to get your book on the shelves these days. You do you? have to. They yeah, become yeah. landlords. What they do is they divide their shop up into um, square millimetres, whatever, and then they build publishers for the amount of space they're going to take on the shelves. Right. Yeah, now, yeah, the yeah. flaw in that, to anyone with half a brain, is so why do they bother sell anything? They're making money before they've even put it on the shelves. And the answer yeah. is correct. Yeah. They don't give you your unsolds back anymore. Yeah. They charge you for the privilege of appearing on their shelves. I mean, it's outrageous. Yeah. And, and they say, if you want your stuff to really sell, you should pay for a bin end where you have full cover display as opposed to just one inch of the cover showing. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's, it's wrong. It's so wrong. Um, yeah. And they don't want maverick publishers. They want to be able to do one bill to a mega publisher. The paperwork, if, if they're dealing with all these little indies, is just going to be astronomical, and they don't want that. So okay. they, they've blown us out in the same way Diamond has. Oh, there's a punchline to end on. <laughs> <laughs> but the other thing I noticed in your... in let's, It's just volume one, isn't it, of your yeah. autobiography? And you did promise me in a message, which I've saved, that you will be doing volume two. <laughs> um, yeah. But there's the wealth of photographs and stuff in there, Des. Did you... Do you store all this stuff? Do you keep it away, or did you have to go to people and say, "Do you remember that time we were all in the office?" And you know, did you did you have to do a bit of that? Or I'm a hoarder, right? Aren't we all comics now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Throw anything away? Nope, <laughs> nope, nope. nope. Um, I only yesterday threw away two speakers for my um, uh, desktop computer, and they hadn't worked for about two years. <laughs> it just sat there gathering dust. I mean, we hoard stuff. I've never had a camera, but people have often given me photographs that they've taken. Um, and I've kept them, yeah. So oh, nice. Uh, yeah, and I, I guess it's going to be about four volumes altogether because volume Again. two is going to cover um, House of Hammer, Monster Mag, Mad, Tarzan, Laurel and Hardy, all the stuff I did for Warner Brothers, and possibly the launch of Starburst. Volume three okay. will be Marvel UK. So that will mean volume four will be Warrior. So oh, there's, brilliant. there's a way to go. And then, of course, I'm going to put all four together into one giant book, which I shouldn't have said because nobody will buy the individual parts. No. <laughs> we buy multiple copies. You know that from Marvel UK. <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, where can people get it? Because you have to, I think I had to PayPal you, didn't I? Is that right? Yeah, you either PayPal or um, Crycatic postal orders. Uh, I've had a few people say, um, can I send it by bank transfer? I don't do PayPal. And I say, yeah, of course you can. That way I don't pay a fee to uh, PayPal. I'm yeah. That. Uh, but it has to be from me personally. So the best route is to really go on my Facebook page which is surprisingly called Des Skin. Um, and you'll see it gives you all the details on there. So it's just an email you need to put in, don't you? That's the way I did it. And um, you can get it autographed as well, can't you, I think? If you leave a yeah, note on your PayPal. Charge, not to charge. I mean, I remember with Warrior, it used to be that the rare ones were the ones that none of us had signed. <laughs> like, a, like a Colin Colin Baker autograph photograph, yeah. <laughs> 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 
Well, uh, living Doctor Who for next time, are we? Don't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah oh, I mean, definitely. we used to do comic marts all the time, all of us. Um, and when there's about a dozen of you all together, there's always going to be someone turning up at one comic mart or another and scrawling on the covers of copies, you know. Yeah. I saw the original to the, I think it was it, the summer special or something, uh, an exhibition in Peterborough the other day. It's like a Steve Dillon exhibition. Wow. Uh, do you know the one where they're all sort of running towards the camera, all different characters? Steve and... lived in my house at the time, and I remember oh, wow. distinctly us sitting there and me getting out all the copies I had of Justice League of America to see how the Americans went about doing group covers. Yeah. Right. I mean, one of the things I remember saying to Steve was the horizon should be at an angle. Oh. It's much more dramatic, irrespective of whether the characters are standing upright or not, of having a horizon at an angle mm. and um yeah we, we were very strongly influenced by americana because <clears throat> you don't turn your back on the past the beautiful thing about comic is you learn from the history of it i don't think there's a single artist out there Agreed. who wasn't influenced by another artist who'd worked out worked there years before you didn't have to meet them you just buy a comic by gil kane or will eisner or whoever your favorite is you know oh i think we need to remember that they call it corporate memory, don't we? It is a silly term, but I think we need to remember the history of comics. There's so many people coming up in it who don't know anything about comics. You know. Scary. Scary. Yeah. Blind leading the blind. Yeah. So what else you got on the plate at the moment, Des? You got anything else sort of planned or available oh. to buy? Available <laughs> <laughs> to buy. Um, well, You've got, <laughs> you got a very busy eBay shop, haven't you? Which I bought a number of things from. So, yeah. I'm actually thinking that I've got so much clutter I'm going to give it away. So I'm intending to put on my Facebook page, anybody interested in Roy of the Rovers? Because I've got pretty much a full set. Um, uh, Victor, uh, Tiger, Battle. I just want to clear them out of the house, you know, because there does come a time when you say, what will my daughter do with all this stuff that she's going to inherit? Isn't this a fear we all have? Yeah, there's a long-running joke that I will die by it falling on me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so we all need to be careful, don't we? <laughs> oh, that was a bit downbeat, wasn't it? <laughs> it don't that's worry, he'll die, he'll die happy. Yeah. That's how he oh, wants to happy. go. Yeah, that's yeah, that's yeah. how he wants yeah. to go. Yeah. I might be naked, Des. You've woken yeah. Vince up. <laughs> <laughs> I have just been... Listen, listen, I, I've yeah. just been sat back, just like, just go. I can't, I can't yeah. wait. I can't wait to get another history lesson. Next oh, time, next time you're on. We're getting you back on to talk yeah. about Doctor Who and Warrior. Yeah. I'll tell you yeah. that now, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. without a doubt. On Doctor Who, I've got quite a few stories. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Those yeah. days of all the um, the Dave Gibbons and the Pat Mills and John Wagner and Mike McMahon and all those strips, you know, it's just so good. Just amazing stuff. Mm. We'll definitely get you back on. 16-year-old Steve Dillon. Yeah. That's yeah. a standard unbeatable. Yeah. I remember thinking laser eraser and press button were a bit saucy in the day, Diz. And he was probably about the same <laughs> age as me. Yeah. <laughs> no, Zerk was the saucy. That was. That, that, yeah, that was very strange, you know, wasn't you it? Know, a very quick little, slightly yeah. more upbeat story than some of those others. Um, laser eraser and press button. The influence of an editor. What does an editor do? Well, I've always yeah. said what an editor does is you start the ball rolling. You get the right people for the job. You get them going in the right direction. Because left alone, an artist might want to draw cowboys. Yeah. But there might not be an audience for cowboys. So you're like the captain of the ship and you've got this 
fabulously talented crew, but they don't necessarily know whether they're going to the Bahamas or China. But you know where the tourists want to go. Tourists, yeah. a.k.a. readers, because you're in, touch, yeah. you're in touch with them. Mm. You're not working in your garret. You know, you're actually out there. You know what you read the letters from them. You know what they want. So you direct the writers and the artists in a commercial direction because you're the one whose neck's on the line. Theirs isn't. Yeah. If, if they draw a Western, everyone will go, oh, isn't this beautiful artwork? Let's employ him. The editor sinks with the ship. You are the captain. I'm keeping this metaphor running. <laughs> so. <laughs> you could say that the editor has skin in the game. There you go. There's my, <laughs> there's my pun of the week. <laughs> well, thanks for that. Unbel- <laughs> unbelievable. The audience will be in stitches. Do we? Uh, no, no, they won't. No, they won't. No, they won't. Trust me, they won't. <laughs> Des, do you want to give? Do you want to give your email out for the PayPal on here, or would you rather people just um, went to your Facebook? People can go to my Facebook page, but I'll do it. But I don't expect anyone to easily write it down when they can just go to my Facebook. Page. We'll put it on the Slack yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll put a link in the show notes. My yeah. absurdly spelt name, uh, which is one for next time. <laughs> with the number one after it because they are after all thousands of people called their skin aren't they <laughs> so it's, it's their skin one at yahoo.co.uk well um, well we, we normally say we've only sort of skimmed the top of the iceberg when it comes yeah, but, yeah. re- but we really have oh, in man, terms so of this much. conversation and uh, like seriously listeners like get hold of this book get you know Find the link, get hold of the book, and like you know. Are you doing any so events, Dead's coming up that we could? Are you I, doing um, any comic conventions or anything? I've stopped doing the comic cons because, quite honestly, they've become incredibly sort of feudal and bitchy, and I think it's quite right. tragic the way that that industry has become polarized, shall we say? I think I last saw you at Kapow. I think, I think I saw you at that one, Mark Miller's Kapow. Do you remember that one in Islington? Oh, gosh, yes. Yeah. I'm humouring you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the guy came over to me and said, I really liked Warrior, weren't you? Yes. That was me. Yeah. 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 I remember yeah. you. You're the only oh, one that's... who's ever done that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's tough. If you uh, ask a question, no. I, I tend now to do the, the, the film events much more because I'm, I, I don't know. They remind me of what it used to be like. In the seventies, in the comics events, there much more united brotherhood. Yeah, I half expected you to see it at that dark. The, the, you know the dark side magazine. I half expected to see you at that event. Actually. I was there. Oh, were you? Oh, okay, yeah. right. I, I did the first one, but it was only a one-day event. Yeah. I prefer things like uh, SFW, which is Sci-Fi Weekend, where it's a four-day event and it's worth okay. traveling to. Yeah, great yeah, Yarmouth yeah. for there's not a lot of good reasons to go to Great Yarmouth. No, there's not, is there? No. A four day event is a good enough reason. So mm, I, I do those kind of sci fi shows. Oh, cool. Because cool. that's what I'm producing. I'm producing horror and sci fi magazines. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Brilliant. Um, and long, long may it continue. Cheers, Des. You've been yeah, get a copy. That's a great legend this week, Thank Des. You. So, yeah. This is volume one, listeners. Yeah. Get ready because there will be more. Buy them all! (laughs) There you go. 
Another cracking How good interview, was that? full of yeah. history, knowledge, and uh, yeah, I love that. I love those sort of interviews. When when we talk to real sort of legends and sort of titans in the industry, I like to just sit back. There's stuff I, to learn there for yeah. you're talking about editing and yeah. you know, all this sort of thing. Yeah, there's a lot that people could. And he's right when he says people need to know about comics to be able to make them. Yeah. I don't think it yes. seems like a completely uncontroversial thing to say, but I'm sure somebody would kick yeah. off about it, wouldn't they? Yeah, you know? yeah. And and um, you're not you're not just writing for you; you're writing for yeah. the audience to sell um, the comics. Yeah, like yeah. We, like we say here, you know, obviously you, you want to write the comics you want to write and make, but if you're putting product out into the world, then you you're looking for an audience. So know what your audience is, audience is and go for it. Yeah. And and uh, that way you uh, you got no one to blame for yourself when it goes horribly wrong. You probably won't blame yourself when you blame <laughs> someone else. Yeah. I don't know the government or someone. Yeah. <laughs> Life's a lot easier if you always blame someone else. Yeah. Find yeah. Yeah. I always blame Dan. Fair enough. Yeah. Me too. I can I can shoulder those. Yeah. Yeah. Good sense. I just need to make. I just need to make sure you uh, you don't have a strong alibi for those nights. Anyway, <laughs> um, doing from, something himself. From yeah. <laughs> this is a criminally good podcast this week, <laughs> and uh, and it's time for some shout outs. Have we got any shout outs, gents? May we? So um, sign up for Edison Neos at No Brainer Four. It's really yes. fun. Kickstarter is one of those sort of landing pages. You can go and be notified when it goes live. Um, there is um, a comic out be called Charlie and Remy Pitch a Show. It's one of those pay as much as you like downloadable comics. You know, you can go onto the site and pay as much as you like for a comic. And this is um, about people pitching a comic to, let's say, a Netflix style company. Uh, looks fun. Um, and one of the creators came on the Drink and Draw the other day and we had, we had a chuckle with him. And it's um, the, the website is Genacious, which is J E R N A C I O U S. Genacious dot itch i-t-c-h dot itch dot i <coughs> I don't know what websites do I don't know how they work but that's what you should be going to and you can play from those ones you can get it quite cheaply I think um, next up congratulations to That Comic Smell on their 100th episode well, Yay. Nice. Hey, nice work I'm just stuff. in the middle of listening to it now and we get a little nice shout out it's very kind of them um, and a mention of the 200th um, um, from a personal point of view it's the Tribute World Tour upcoming in June um, if you're at TCAF in Toronto or Heroes in Charlotte, come and find me and Adam. I sh- at TCAF, I shall be um, getting cups of tea and helping out at the No Brow Stall. And at Heroes, myself and Adam will be in Artist Avenue our, at our own uh, Artist Alley, not Avenue, Artist Alley in our, at our own table. So come and say hello and we shall have, we've got a new book. Hopefully, I'm going to be ready to go. Um, it's just me and Adam doing some work to, to get out. So we want some new products for the convention. Um, another Kickstarter is Battle Panda 1 big trouble in panda city um it's now live on kickstarter um it's about halfway funded at the moment um it's from our writer farhan Qureshi, and art is by carlos angeli colors by joaquin Pereira. Uh, letters rob jones it's anthropomorphic panda warrior comic it looks a whole heap of fun so go and back that one battle panda issue one um they're my ones there you go nice dan got any no i don't have any shout outs this week I feel like I, I have some, but I can't recall them. Yeah, so. <laughs> as always. Well, I can recall that, um, of course, Lawless is just around the corner, uh, May the 28th and 29th of this year, at the Double Hill Tree by Hilton Hotel in Bristol. <clears throat> Tickets 
um, for um, the Saturday tickets are sold out. Weekend and Sunday tickets are still available. No tickets are available on the door. So go to lawlesscomicon.co.uk to uh, find out more. Um, obviously, all those people that bought Saturday tickets might bump into us. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully we're going to be there on the Sunday. On the Saturday, doing a bit of... We've got press passes, haven't we? Mm. It's going to be good. Yeah. Yeah, we're, we're le- legit. No, I couldn't... Uh... I think because um, we we had Sue on the podcast, so we got yeah. press passes. It's yeah. 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 Um yes, so I look forward to seeing you there. Now do we want to recommend some comics? I don't I don't have a recommendation this week, so um I'm just gonna sit back and add to my wish lists whatever the chaps are gonna recommend. So take it away, guys. I've got, I've got two and my first one is little more than a shout out, really, because it's it. more of an art book. So during Manga Month, which we very much enjoyed, and we all sort of stuck stuck our noses into manga mm. and stuff. Yeah. Um, one of our, I know, I don't think you read this, Vince, but I know me and Dan read Onwards Towards Our Noble Deaths um, by Shigeru Mizuki, who immediately became one of yeah. my favourite creators. I, I absolutely loved it. So out this week, um, it's a French book, um, um, but it's now for sale. You can get it through Gosh. They got a load through because it's mostly wordless. It's a book called Mononoke, and um, it's... For that, for if you if you recall when we talked about Mizuki, he, he's he's kind of the god of yokai in in, in manga and an anime really. And it, what it does is each page is a different representation of a different sort of folk creature, folk tale. You know, there's you know these sort of strange tales that he travelled about the country collecting, and it is the most beautiful thing in the world. I've, I've shared some of the images on the Slack and with you guys. I was just showing you before we started. Honestly, it's the most beautiful book. It's um about 40 quid but it is a lovely landscape style art book um if you're any way into this dude i suggest an investment i went when i got there um i was speaking to andrew on the, the counter and i said oh where's this and he went oh that's just reminded me i need to grab one myself before they run out so you need to get on it before they run out and they've imported a load from france so you're not going to get a cheaper one if you see what i mean and then go to that so um shigeru mizuki mononoke it's about 40 quid but absolutely worth it just gorgeous there you go that's my first one nice damn Love this stuff. My, uh, I've got two <clears throat> relatively quick ones. One we got, we got uh, contacted by uh, people doing a, a, I think it's a licensed Half-Life comic. Oh yeah, yeah. you have to, yeah, yeah. have to follow up on this because <clears throat> I've read the first uh, four that they've sent over, and it's really good. I really enjoy it. I've played the Half-Life games, and this feels like it's written in the same voice and the same continuing story. And so, I think I'm going to chunk through the rest of it before kind of. Uh, given a final kind of recommendation or review on it. But I've really enjoyed it so far. It's really good. So uh, that's one sort of pigeonholed. One, the next one was uh, a G.I. Joe uh, comic, 40th anniversary special. And I was complaining about a, a company said that they were going to get this one and they didn't. I've still not got over that. But I managed to get one through, uh, it got scalped on eBay, it got bent, bent over a little bit. Uh, but essentially it's like the... I think it's G.I. Joe issue 21. They uh, did like a silent... Yeah, the, the famous silent famous issue, isn't it? Yeah. And they've got a bunch of artists essentially to do like redraws of the of the project. And there's some really interesting thumbnails at the back. Uh, some of them like have pushed it a bit and it looks really good. Others have kind of just almost just redrawn the exact same thing. And I was like, well, I'd, I'd maybe reimagine it a bit more than that, just push the layout a bit more. But it's an interesting little experiment. I was thinking maybe like something we could do in uh, for the in the Slack group, 
if we took okay. a comic and then like all tried to redraw a comic in our own style from mm. from page to page and then put it out as like a PDF, I thought that might be a nice yeah uh, idea. Uh, yeah, that's another idea I never get around to actually uh, implementing and stuff. But <laughs> You're in charge now. Yeah, but if yeah. someone wants to do that, uh, I'd, I'd I'd happily take part. But yeah, I, 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 it was an interesting little uh, art project. I think uh, there's a a page that Liefeld absolutely brutalizes. He doesn't does his usual dialing it in while collecting the money kind of thing. But <laughs> that, the rest of them do the rest of them do uh, a, a, a good job. Yeah. Yeah. So they even I would have thought they were gonna give him a page with no feet in it and they gave him a page with feet in it and he murdered it. <laughs> <laughs> You've had you own feet for over forty years, Rob. How can you not draw them? <laughs> Very salty this week, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. 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 I just find it frustrating, man, when like there's people in our Slack group and people we know who could fucking bury that under, yeah. like that are so ridiculously talented. Yeah. Um, Oh, well, there we go. There you go. Yeah. And, and Tony, what's your next one? My last one is Dogs of London, issue one from Aftershock Comics, um, which um, I've been looking forward to, actually. It's written by Pete Milligan, and I was sort of scanning through some Pete Milligan books that I've read recently, and it occurred to me that he's a creator who we recommend quite regularly on this show. Actually. I'm a big fan of his. I remember um, talking to... Who did we talk to about him? So Joe suggested we might be able to get him on, which I think would be great. He's a really, th- he's a great thinker, Pete Milligan. He always comes up with some great, his writing is, has got depth to it, I think, you know. <clears throat> Art is by somebody called Arta Cedar. Um, colours by Valentina Bianconi. Um, letters by Rob Steen. And there's a variant cover, which is the one I got, which is by um, close friend of the show, Dave Johnson. Um, I'm a sucker for London-based crime stories um, in any medium, really, bit movies or whatever, novels, stuff like that. Um, so when I saw this, the previews for this, I was I immediately started reposting and then said I'm really looking forward to this. It does, I think, like a lot of aftershock books. Um, what's the one about the arc? Dark arc. That's one we liked before, wasn't it? That's an aftershock. Yeah, book, yeah, 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 yeah. They they have a sort of almost like a vertigo feel to them. A lot of these books to me. Yeah, like like ba- baby teeth was another one. There. Was, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Yeah, and um, which is not but no bad. You know, it's, yeah. it's no small compliment for me. That yeah, Milligan's also one of my Right, so I tried to pick up regularly, and he, and he's, but he has bumped around a few companies, to be fair, and writing gigs. But he does seem to be doing quite a few things for Aftershock now. Um, this is a book for those probably outside of the UK and of a certain age who don't remember them. It's crafted to feel like an homage to the what the two main crime families from the sixties and seventies, or the sixties really, which was the, the more renowned ones were the Craze and the Richardsons. So the Craze were the East End of London, famously, you know, there's been numerous movies made about them on there. Um, and the Richardsons were the South London family. Um, and in many respects, much longer running and more powerful. It also um, po- uh, uh, sort of mines pop culture for the go-tos of stuff from the 60s. Part of this story is set in the 60s and part of it is set much more recently. Um, so in the backgrounds of stuff you get, for example, Jimi Hendrix, there's a scene showing, there's a scene drawn in Carnaby Street, and you can see um, uh, Hendrix in the foreground. You also get a um, character later on who I showed you, the guy, this picture, didn't I, guys, who is who is literally a, a one-to-one homage of the Ray Winston character in Sexy Beast. Yeah. I think he's even yeah. wearing the same things. Um, yeah. To an outsider who doesn't understand the, um, the sort of gang culture, the sort of street culture um, of, you know, 
London gangs tended to have knives and razor blades before, you know, well, you know, gangsters in America were shooting each other with machine guns. It, th- this is a bit more maybe like what you compare it to is the Montagues versus the Capulets in Romeo and Juliet, you know, all this side story over it is that sort of thing. In fact, he, the Romeo and Juliet also gets a name check at one point because the um, daughter of the South London firm, um, who are called the Quins in this, I think, is seeing one of the the, um, the dogs who's this other gang because they come from the Isle of Dogs, if you see what I mean, which is the East End. Um, in reality, the, um, the the sort of animosity between the two gangs was was an, is a really interesting story, and I think it was only slightly more short lived because the Crays had a habit of getting banged up, <laughs> you know, and going to prison, while the Richardsons were much more had a much more longevity. Um, they are all, even though it's the sixties, all the gangs are still that sharp dressed looking people, black suits, white shirt, black, you know, skinny black ties, you know, compared to the rest of hippiedom that was going on. And that is something that's played on a bit in this comic, the sort of changing culture of the two, um, you know, the sort of arty crowd and the sort of street crowd. That's something we see a bit here as well. Um, um, so one of the, one of the gang is meeting the daughter of one of the Quins and he, he has sex with her above, above the shops in this, this sort of seedy little flat um and but the book does open with the dogs um um the, burying a body you know like they do in goodfellas where they bury that body by the roadside yeah yeah you know? yeah um and i don't really want to spoil it but those bodies we flash forward sort of 20 or 30 years and those bodies come back to haunt them, um which is interesting and it ends on that happening so this is just issue one i'm guessing because it's an aftershock series, it's probably going to be a mini series that might lead into a, another mini series. But at the moment, it, I think it's a six-issue mini series. I think, and there's a big hint that it's something more than a gangster story. Because I don't want to spoil it, because of the nature of how these bodies come back to haunt them. There's a little bit of detail that you have to actually read the book very closely to figure out, and you think, oh, okay, there's something more than just this long Good Friday, the craze bright and rock thing going on you know um the art's okay um i i'll be honest and say i had a real real trouble figuring out who was who in it um i okay. think i showed you it didn't i um because they're all all the gangsters of the time in london all that slick back hair and all the same clothes you know none of them had beards and moustaches and they all look the same so even in the first two two or three pages i was thinking well who's that in that panel is that the same one in the next panel it was, it was it honestly was a bit bit um confusing for me um the some of the details are right they so the i know the artist i think he is south american i'm going to quickly look up while we're talking um brazilian yeah he's brazilian the artist so he's not gonna he's not a londoner he's not someone probably who was in london at the time of this happening um so that some of the details are right so for example the right kind of phones are on tables the right kind of radiators that sort of thing but some of the, the other stuff isn't right so we didn't have poles in stripper pubs they just used to do a turn on the pool table or something the, the whole sort of pole dancing thing was much much later um there's, so there's a few things like that some of the shop signs um look like they've been put in digitally by the letterer Does okay that make sense yeah um and some of them aren't written particularly readably i'd like to point out that vietnam is one word um for one of the signs um but I'm going to say I am going to recommend it because I think Milligan knows what he's doing and this is going somewhere and will surprise us. Um, it's a specific subgenre that I'm, I'm a fan of. 
be, I can only think if we had someone like Brendan McCarthy on this book, it would be cranked up. You know, it would just be this sort of visual, complicated um, mood, full of mood and stuff like that. But it's very by the numbers, this um, art wise. Um, but yeah, it's good. Um, it's it's following stories that I really enjoy in other mediums. So I'm going to say it's like a solid six or seven out of ten at the moment. But I'm expecting it to get better. It may be because of the way that you break up issues these days. It may be it may read better in a trade because this okay. this hint at the end of the first issue may be something that will come up later. But it's, it's a strong idea. You know, it's I'm, it's really nice. And I think Milligan's been talking about how he's been waiting to try and tell this kind of story um, for a while. And um, yeah, it may not be something that is immediately because it's quite iconic. The crates are quite iconic to us, aren't they? All you've got to do is see the outline of them sometimes on a T-shirt sold in Camden, and you know who they are. Then you? you know, Ronnie yeah. and Reggie. It may not be the same for American audiences and people from other countries, but yeah, it's good. I like the fact that the the image on the front of the Dogs of London cover. I think this is the Dave Johnson one. Is is um, a bloke in a suit, but he's got the head of a Doberman. Um, and he's covered in blood, and I kind of that's think that's cool. Great cover, yeah, yeah, mm. really yeah good very cover. good. Yeah, yeah. So that's by Aftershock issue one. It came out this week, so go and get a copy. There you go, that's my one. Nice, nice one. Yeah, there you go. I'm there you check go, that one out. I like the mm. either one. And it's a very striking cover. You can't miss that one. That was almost yeah. that was almost uh, one of the picks for last week's uh, comic cover. It was okay. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, of course. And, uh, yeah, yeah. Yes, and thank you to everyone that's been uh, listening to our recent shows, and to all you lovely people who are new listeners. Um, well, I always want to apologise straight away. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> um, but thank you for all the continued support. We really appreciate, yeah. it and we're going to keep churning out um, probably nonsensical chat and some insightful comics conversation and interviews at the same time. So, and if there's anything that you want us to talk about on upcoming shows, there's several different ways you can get in touch with us. You can get, you can email us awesomecomicspod at gmail.com. You can uh, join us on Twitter at the Awesome Pod, where we'll be um, posting episodes, retweeting. If you've got something positive and nice to say about comics, we'll we'll retweet it. Yeah. Um, if you do the book of faces, go to facebook.com slash awesomecomicspodcast. Also, the community group Awesome Comics Talk on Facebook is a wonderful um, place for people of all walks to talk about comics, as is the Awesome Comics Podcast Slack group. Uh, we had six new people this week. Yeah. Really growing. Oh, yeah. great. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, a great community of people that just want to talk about comics without any um, sort of hard selling. It's just for the love of the medium. That's what it's all about. And there's loads of different channels and discussions going on there with it's a crowdfunding channel which i know we we, we've been sort of we don't really like just pure posting stuff and leaving but if you're prepared to take part in the conversation on there on the slack then you are uh, there is a crowdfunding channel which people discuss your project with yeah you know yeah that's useful for that yeah and if you're Uh, an active member of the community that's encouraged probably link do a project you're on yeah because we all just want to discover comics and that's probably that's probably why you lovely listener want to as well which is why you listen to us on the website awesomecomics.podbean.com if you listen to us on Apple Podcasts subscribe and leave a review algorithms and all that jazz will help get the word out about this show to other people who like comics and maybe won't mind listening to us waffle on about nonsense <laughs> especially when it comes to the last 10 minutes of the show when it's just chaos it's absolute chaos uh and there's we're on other networks like spotify amazon stitcher podnose podknife what other networks are we on tony 
Ron Pod, this comic should be three pounds, not fucking fifteen. Oh God, don't <laughs> don't start me, girlfriend. Don't start me. <laughs> Pass, don't trigger me. Um, <laughs> um, but but this can is... also give Des his link out again as well for his. Yes, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, please do, so please do. Go and get says Des Volume One. It's A four. It's absolutely full of stuff. Every page is a joy. All you got to do is get hold of him on PayPal. It's Des Skin the number one at yahoo.co.uk and make sure you include enough postage um, so he can send it back, send you a copy and he'll sign it and everything. I think he writes champion in it, which he did in mind. Um, so go and get a copy. Uh, it is genuinely a really great fun read. Okay. How, mu- how much are copies? I can't remember off the top of my head. That's bad, isn't it? But, uh, <laughs> they're very reasonable. They're not expensive or anything. Yeah. It's like, um, it's like a, a perfect bound magazine size, but with probably more pages than your general magazine. But yes, it's a great little read. Amazing. Yeah. Get on it, people. And thank you, Des, again for joining us yep. for Volume 1. Um, we hope you enjoyed this week's episode. And uh, we had a lot of fun just sitting back yeah. and just being absolutely schooled. Um, but while we um, drink our Horlicks and go to sleep happy, thinking about all the comics that we talked about tonight, uh, where can people find us online, etc.? Tony? Uh, neveronanything.com. Lovely. Yeah. Dan? You can find me, uh, you can read Vanguard at vanguardcomic.com. And you can uh, support me on my Patreon account, which is uh, patreon.com forward slash Vanguard Comic. Nice. Come check me out on there. Also, I'm going to be popping up on another podcast soon. Oh, yeah. I went uh, traitor and went on Kurt's. Judas. No. Two, <laughs> geeks, two geeks talking. So uh, when that goes live, I'll uh, post it up. Not at my best. I recorded it at midnight till one. Oh, yeah. You messaged me saying, fuck right. me, it's at midnight. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Dan, Dan's not Classic. used to it. He's not used to being awake when the sun goes down. So. No, I'm an early bird, man. I'm fucking down at gym at 6am. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Oh, I don't think midnight rolls down. I'm fucked. <laughs> <laughs> Such an old man. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but you can find me on social media, etc. At Jester Diablo. Thank you again for listening. Uh, stay tuned for more awesomeness to come. And uh, from Dan, Tony and myself, have a brilliant week. Read loads of comics. Make lots of, make lots of comics. Just make a comic this week. Why not? In one week. (laughs) Um, Or at least, like, just just read something you really enjoy and tell someone else about it because that's how comics... That's how they will survive, basically. (laughs) We've got to keep comics going when they're they're kind of at their low point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And there's no lower point than us. So have a great (laughs) week, everyone. And uh, as always, guys, what should uh, our lovely listeners do? Stay awesome. Stay awesome. There you go. Bye, Bye everyone. Now. Bye. Bye.